Hi, and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work, a weekly podcast from the American University of Beirut, where we talk to professors and scholars about the research they're doing, what they're discovering, and what it means to the rest of us. I'm your host, Rami Khouri. Thank you for joining us. I'm very happy to have this week uh, as my guest, Professor Rida Lias, uh, who is an assistant professor in the Olean School of Business. She's also the convener of the Management, Marketing, and Entrepreneurship track at the Business School. And she has focused, uh, among the different projects she does at the Business School, she has focused her own research on leadership succession issues. Uh, so, Professor Lias, thank you for being with us. Hi, Rami. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, my name is Rita. And the reason I chose, I like to work with CEOs is because um, I think these people lead organizations, big organizations, and they have a lot of pressure, though it's not revealed for the general public. And um, I like to learn from them. So this is one fascinating uh, thing why I like to study uh, CEOs in general and CEO succession in specific. Like, let's think about it and leave the research outside. Let's think about it in lay terms. You are the CEO of a big, big company. And one day you're going to leave it. How easy is this going to be or how difficult this is going to be? And how about if the person coming in, will they be able to do the job? Will they be able to gain the stakeholder, the organization stakeholder trust the way the existing CEO does? So it's a lot of questions to be asked when we're talking about, about CEOs that are really doing well in their organizations. So basically, this is my focus is about these people that are really doing well. Because if the CEO is not doing well, you won't wait to kick them out of the organization. So I think succession in this case would be um, much psychologically easier than when you have someone who's really doing well. And this affects organization and all stakeholders. So I'm going to give you like an um, example from real life. Take, for example, when um, Tim Cook wanted to succeed uh, jobs, a lot of analysis went there. How good is he going to be? What's going to happen to Apple? How is this going to work out for the company? And if we want to talk about something that is going on right now in the world, take, uh, for example, Berkshire Hathaway with Warren Buffett. Like a lot of questions, what's going to happen after, after Warren Buffett and who's going to succeed Warren Buffett? So these are big questions and you would assume that companies actually have an answer. But surprisingly, they don't. They they, I don't know whether they don't like to think about it, whether they try to postpone it or what. I don't know. So actually, a lot of companies do not have answers uh, to this question. Uh, so let me just interrupt for a second. You're talking about big companies here. Uh, are you researching these gigantic global uh, companies or medium-sized corporations or smaller ones or even family-owned ones, uh, do, you f do you differentiate between the different kinds of companies uh, that exist? Actually, uh, yes, but since I'm, I'm not talking at the level of the organization itself, so 
I go on to the personal level of the of the CEO. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, a lot of these human elements they apply in any uh, kind of organization you are. Uh, mm -hmm. So and and even political uh, situations like take uh, also presidents of of countries when mm -hmm. they have to let go. It's not that easy. Right. So. It's, it's always this human element that is in there. Um, and one of the CEOs actually told me bluntly, he said, um, I recruited a psychotherapist with me to take me through this. Wow. I am the one who chose my successor. I, I chose the guy. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand that I'm running a company that I am the one who has the last say. And... Wow. Now that I have declared who my successor is, I'm a nobody in the company and, and I need someone to help me I understand this and without mm -hmm. actually ruining the life of the person coming after me. So right. psychologically, I need to be prepped to leave, to, to, to let go of all the power that comes with the job, of all this. So it's not a simple... Um, dynamics that we we think we see on the on the tv like shaking hands and, right. and the let, giving the baton passing the baton and all this right. but psychologically it's not that easy on people and that's that's why i actually did not collect data that is not uh, personal so i went and interviewed people to understand this psychological thing they go through when they are letting go actually i went and interviewed the people that are gonna become the ceo so how are they dealing with this how are they dealing with the ceo who's leaving right. uh, and and how do they actually take power from someone who's very very powerful so mm -hmm. in a nutshell uh, this is what my research is about and i think it is important for for companies to realize it because also surprisingly enough Board of directors are the ones who govern this process, right? Right. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. The most corporations, <laughs> even smaller ones, even yeah. like institutes and whatever, they often have a board of directors or some kind of supervisory board that usually has real power. But from what you're saying, that it, these decisions of succession are very much in the hands of the actual incumbent CEOs. Is that correct? No, actually, no. It's the board of directors. They um, mm. they appoint like a succession committee, okay. and the within committee, uh, the succession committee within the board, they actually go and look for candidates. And uh, if they want to go totally internal, they only look at the candidates from inside the organization. If they want to open it to external, they take both from internal and external. And they no. are the ones who would uh, like. Uh, interview people and vet them and see their qualifications and all of this. Now, that said, of course, the incumbent CEO has a say because we should not forget this incumbent CEO is the one who knows the company the most. And if it's going to be internal, he also knows the people a lot. Right. But he's one of many in the committee. So he has a say. It might have a weight, a big weight, because he knows but it's wow. only one among uh, so many people. Now, this said, 
the board of directors and the succession committee think that once, for example, let's say Rami is the CEO and now uh, the committee, the selection committee said, uh, we decided Rida is going to be the CEO elect or the incoming right. CEO. So right. the board of directors think that's it. Their job is done. Mm-hmm. They have the outgoing CEO. They have the incoming CEO in place. They tell them within four to six months, you're going to pass the baton to Rida in the general uh, meeting. Right. That's it. Done. But during these four to six months, are the surprising findings like you cannot believe what we what i found actually mm. in in this research uh, you have the ceos the outgoing ceos leaving who mm-hmm. are really helpful they want the incoming ceo to be in place in six months they want her or him to be up and running so they try they they start delegating they start um, declaring them as the incoming CEO in front of the banks. Right. Uh, CEOs, uh, also let me um, uh, stress on one thing. CEO's job, though you are the chief operating officer, for example, and you become the CEO. So the chief operating officer, your job is mainly inside the organization. Right. But when you become the CEO, your job becomes 75% outside with outside stakeholders, the community, the banks, the government, uh, other organizations. So your job takes a different perspective when you become the CEO. Right. So so give us some uh, insights into the actual results. You interviewed a a bunch of uh, CEOs. And what are the key findings that you've come up with? Yeah, so the key findings I came up with were... Uh, we have the CEOs who really are looking forward to leaving the company because they have something else to do. So the incoming CEO, they have a good life during these four to six months Mm -hmm. where they are presented with everything. And then we have the opposite, Mm -hmm. where the the CEO does not want to leave, does not want to leave. Like I had one CEO, um, if you listen to the interview I had with him, it's all cursing. Oh my gosh. All interviews <laughs> cursing how the uh, CEO before him, the predecessor, made his life hell. Even, wow. even signed a contract that will commit the company for 10 years to come and he's leaving in four months. Wow. That's not his say. To, that's, that's, he should not be doing this because the other person is coming in four months and they have to bear the consequences of this commitment for 10 years. So he didn't leave a thing he didn't do to make the life of the other person really difficult. So when this person came to to become the CEO, he actually paid the penalty and canceled the contract. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And the thing is, they cannot say a word to the press because we should not forget these companies, they have shares and the price of the share is going to be affected. So it's all smiles and handshaking in front of the camera and fighting inside behind closed doors. Not even the board of directors was aware. So what are the implications um, of all the research that you've done? How do you distill this into lessons that are important uh, for other people, whether it's in North America, Europe, the Middle East, or other places. Yeah. So one of the major 
advice was to the uh, Canadian Foundation of Board of Directors was do not close the door once you announce who the incoming CEO is. Your job is not done. You have to provide support for this person coming in, especially if the outgoing CEO is not an easy person to deal with. So you really have to be involved in these four to six months to ensure a smooth transition. Yes. So this this person is up and running. Just to clarify, you mentioned the Canadian board. Uh, You did your research among uh, CEOs in Canada. Yes. Yes. Okay. And and I think it applies to uh, U.S. and maybe it's a bit more formal, um, a bit easier in Canada than it is in U.S. Because in Canada, mm-hmm. there is a convention that says that the CEO cannot be the chair of the board. Yes. So in, in very rare cases, the CEO is the chair of the board, whereas in U.S., in most cases, the CEO is also the chair of the board. So they right. have even more weight and they can have more impact on the incoming CEO if the board does not really interfere to stop this from happening right. uh, during transition. Right. So uh, now I'm going to take you about how this affects how I am in class. Yes. Right. So uh, what I noticed is these people are not really mean people and they don't want to ruin Uh, the life of others in the organization but at the end of the day we're all human beings yeah and and the way ceos identify with the with the organization it becomes like who am i if i'm not the ceo of this organization right and and the same happens even in our ordinary life we don't need to be the ceo um, i take for example parents they cannot let go of their son or daughter to get married Yes. How about letting go of a company? Right. right. So you're you're talking about you're talking about identities of people, emotional sentiments, uh, uh, a sense of uh, maybe power and authority. All of these factors come into play here. Yes, and actually, I teach leadership here in in uh, at Olayan uh, School of Business, mm-hmm. and I use all these findings in my class. So it's easy to say that once you are no more the active CEO, you have to transfer or or pass the baton to the incoming one, right? It's easy Mm -hmm. to say it. It's theory. It's there in the book. The theory is easy. But then what I do is I actually create activities. uh, Even, even, um, so I'm not sure... Uh, you know that 1,000 Lebanese pounds is now nothing. It's, it's mm-hmm. equal to maybe 10 cents or something. Mm-hmm. So I even I let them commit to the game with 1,000 Lebanese pounds, which is nothing, but it is psychological attachment, right? right? It creates this attachment. Mm-hmm. And after I explain the whole chapter to them, they find it really difficult to let go, even if it is, even if the money itself is not important. Right. Right. So I, I try to make them understand that theories are there and they mean a lot to us and they're really helpful. But we also have to put the human into the theory. Otherwise, we're going to struggle when we leave and when we try to apply what we learned at the university. Right. So what you're saying uh, in terms of uh, business leadership uh, is that the, the human and emotional and psychological dimension 
of succession really needs to get more attention. Yes, of course it needs. It needs to get more attention, but read it wherever you, you want, read it from you. No one asks the CEO how they're doing. Yes, yeah. And actually, one of the questions I asked the CEOs when I interviewed them um, is, why did you accept to have an interview with me? You have, I think, better things to do uh -huh. uh, than just spend an hour, an hour and a half with me talking about this. They said, you know what? You're one of very rare people who is asking us about us, not oh, about wow. the organization and about our salary and about the performance and about the return and the revenues. Oh, You're asking us about us. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, it's, it's very rare that someone asks a CEO because we all have this idea of a CEO, powerful, make decisions, do all of that. Right. We forget that at the center of it, there is a human being. Right. Well, yeah, and human beings sometimes can be very sensitive, very vulnerable, and very uh, maybe even immature in some cases if, uh, if their hold on power is not conditioned by some other outside forces yeah. like a board of trustees or uh, whatever. Yeah, you're right. One last thing that surprised me also, I asked them what's the most important difference, the difference you felt between being the chief operating officer, because as a chief operating officer, you're powerful enough, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then you're becoming the CEO. So they said, one difference, one difference. As a COO, you can always say the CEO made the decision. As a CEO, what are you going to say? Mm. Right. Like, there is no one else. Uh, Rida, we only have a few minutes left. Let me ask you about... Um, what do you do with these results when you get this kind of research finding? Uh, how does it uh, uh, translate into practical impacts on society? Do you share this with people uh, other than publishing your uh, scholarly articles? How does this impact the lives of individuals and companies and ultimately companies impact the lives of consumers like us? Yeah, so I'm going to give you one example about how this uh, translated into practical things. So the Canadian Foundation for Governance Research, which is the board, it's, it's like a committee of boards mm -hmm. and board members. When they heard what I have found, they actually revised their uh, succession process to be more involved in this transition period because they really were surprised that they're not involved and they should be involved. Yes. So, and also, uh, they give a succession course for directors only at the University of Toronto. They mm -hmm. also changed a lot in this course based on the findings I gave them. Mm -hmm. How interesting. And so, what about the Middle East, Lebanon, the Arab world, the Middle East? Uh, do you think that most of your findings translate um, into the conditions and situations in corporations or organizations here or are there cultural yeah. factors that are uh, that make it different of course there are some cultural factors that would make it different but i also talked a lot about family to family owners who want to mm -hmm. transfer the power or or the company to their sons mm -hmm. but then they want to keep an office in the floor so that if their son or daughter needs an advice they'll be there and i'm like right. really you're not letting go that's right. what I found. You have to let them yeah. do it. 
You have to let them do it. Just let them do it. So yeah. that's what I'm saying is human elements are more universal than we think. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Last question. Uh, we've almost run out of time. What's your next uh, uh, research project? What are you going to do after this? So actually, after this, I'm working on power, on how to acquire power. And wow. the focus of it will be power acquisition from powerful people without hurting the person leaving. Um, so if you've noticed, all my research is towards positive research, not creating negative uh -huh. emotions, but actually uh, understanding our emotions, understanding why do we have negative emotions, and then transferring them to positive and acquisition and letting go and letting the other person work. Wow, fascinating. Well, we've run out of time. Uh, uh, professor Riddle Yass, uh, Assistant Professor in the Olean School of Business, has been our guest. Um, thank you, Riddle, for being with us. Thank you so much, Rami, for inviting me. And uh, all success. Thank you so much. You bet. And thanks to our audience for joining us. I'm Rami Khoury, your host. Join us again next week. Bye for now. <laughs>